snake was the most clever of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, the snake spoke to the woman. He said, did God really say that you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? The woman answered the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God told us, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not even touch it, or you will die. But the snake said to the woman, you will not die. God knows that if you eat the fruit from that tree, you will learn about good and evil, and, and you will be like God. The woman saw that, that the tree was beautiful. She saw its fruit was good to eat and that it would make her wise. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some of the fruit to her husband, who was with, with her, and he ate it. Then it was as if the man's and the woman's eyes were open. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made something to cover themselves. Then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden. This was during the cool part of the day, and the man, the man and, and his wife hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man. The Lord said, where are you? The man answered, I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God said to the man, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat fruit from that tree? I commanded you not to eat from that tree. The man, you gave this woman, said, you gave this woman to me. She gave me fruit from the tree, so I ate when the Lord, When the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? She answered, the snake tricked me, so I ate the fruit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I am in great trouble, so I call out to you for help. Lord, hear my voice. Listen to my prayer for help. Lord, if you punish people for all their sins, no one would be left. But you forgive us. So you are respected. I wait for the Lord to help me. I trust his word. I wait for the Lord to help me more than night watchmen wait for the dawn. More than night watchmen wait for the dawn. I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for the reading of our gospel. Mark 3, 28. I tell you the truth. All sins that people do can be forgiven, and all the bad things people say against God can be forgiven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Christ. And you may be seated, and all of our young ones are invited to come forward for our children's message.
everybody here today. So we were in um, Small Seed yesterday and we talked a lot about Adam and Eve and what happened in the garden. So um, does somebody want to say something that you remember that we talked about? Um, two people, um, like a snake showed up.
is that really true? Is it the other person or the other thing's fault that you did something wrong? Is that really true? No, because you can control your options and like, it would be the other person's fault if they That's right. So it wasn't the woman's fault that the man ate the fruit, and it wasn't the snake's fault that the woman ate the fruit. Whose fault was it that she ate that fruit? The woman. Yeah, because she's the one that decided to do it. But she was trying to blame somebody else, and the man tried to blame somebody else. And so we have to think about that sometimes when, when we do something we're not supposed to. We need to think about whose fault is it that we did that? Don't try and blame somebody else. Well, what about God? Do you think he, after the Adam and Eve ate that fruit, did he hate those people now and he said, oh, you're terrible and I'm never going to love you again? He said that you did not, not obey me. Did God still love them, Xander? Yes. That's right. So I want you to remember that no matter what you do, even if you do something you're not supposed to, that God is still going to love you. So I have a, a little something for you to take home that just kind of reminds you of that. So if you do something you're not supposed to, I want you to look at this, and I want you to... Think about what it says on it. Can you read what it says, Andrew? You're very special to God. And what is that animal there? A bear. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to let you each take one of these with you. And remember, you're always very special to God. So let's put our hands together and say a little prayer before we go, okay? And repeat after me. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For always loving us. For always loving us. And for making it so. And for making it so. We are very special to you. We are very special to you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's. Is there enough? There's enough for everyone. I want to wait one because both of us have two. Everyone have two? No, 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 no. Just two. There's enough for one. Our reading today is one of the most common Sunday school stories. We know it best as Adam and Eve, as the story of original sin, and from today's reading, the story of the man and the woman in the garden. For a chapter of the Bible that is so well known and so commonly used in our vacation Bible schools, in our children's Bibles, and in our Sunday schools, sometimes I wonder if it's totally child-appropriate. That's right, Hadley. 
As adults, we hear this reading and we can wonder at the nuance of relationship and trust, at shame and insecurity, but for kids, those themes don't always make sense. As adults, we can read about the snake, the serpent, and we learn about the ways the church has given characters to that snake. We wonder at temptation and sin and even the devil, but I'm not always sure how to describe all of that complexity in a way that kids won't get lost. And really, as adults, we read about the nudity of the man and the woman in the garden, and we can imagine vulnerability and self-esteem and trust. But come on, there aren't enough fig leaves in the world for kids not to giggle at naked people in the Bible. <laughs> Being naked, especially to kids, is funny. My daughter's barely a year old, and she already knows that. This reading from Genesis is as common in our curricula as God creating the universe. It's the first reading where we as people, women and men, have characters that act. And throughout my years in children's ministry and off and on in churches, there were three big lessons that Genesis 3 is often used to teach, and we heard some of them today too. Super common lesson number one, trust God and your parents, but especially God. Super common lesson number two, you should always follow instructions, even if you don't really know why. Super common lesson number three, being a tattletale does not get you out of consequences. Other lessons that some of us have heard from Genesis 3, the blame of original sin and all its consequences put on women as proof of our inferiority to avoid temptation. That's a real thing that people have used scripture and used this particular scripture to say. Lessons on this scripture can sometimes turn into the word of God, just a moral step-by-step -step handbook on how to be a good person. And it's partly that, but I wonder if we don't lose something when we make the Bible only that. For me, the biggest lesson from Genesis 3 is in the moment when God is walking in the garden, looking for the man and the woman, and God asks, where are you? And the man answers, I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So I wonder, because we have put all kinds of things on why the man and the woman hide. We have learned that they hid because they knew they messed up and were afraid of punishment. We have learned that they were afraid that they wouldn't be forgiven for their sin. We have learned simply that they were afraid of God and they were, but neither of them say it's fear of punishment. The man says, I was afraid because I was naked. They're hiding because they were naked. Even after trying to cover themselves with some fig leaves they had sewed together, they still feel too naked. They feel too naked to bear themselves to God, too bare to bear being in God's presence too bare for God truly seeing them as they see themselves. I mean, to me, this is the biggest lesson in Genesis 3. This moment is so important because the woman and the man don't seem to understand that they have been naked the whole time. God's seen it. I mean, God created them, and God has been walking with them in the garden every day in all of their nakedness, but now, now they know. They know how vulnerable they have been, and now it's too much. 
Now that they have seen themselves and felt that insecurity that I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have felt looking in the mirror at our bodies, they don't want God to see them the way they see themselves. Now that they have felt what it means to be vulnerable and open and at risk, they feel shame and fear, and they hide themselves away from relationship with their creator. It can be scary to be that bare, to be that vulnerable with each other and with God. And maybe your nakedness isn't physical, but it's being vulnerable with others. It's sharing hurts in your life, or maybe even sharing joys with others can be difficult. Brene Brown, who many of you know is an author I love, defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. But that vulnerability is also the birthplace of love and belonging and joy and courage and empathy and creativity. Vulnerability is the birthplace of relationship. Being open and bare and vulnerable allows for relationship, real relationship, real love. And that kind of vulnerability, that kind of relationship can be so hard in our lives. I have been reminded this week as I found myself grieving for Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I have been reminded of the ways that openness can be impossible for those struggling with mental illness, with addiction, with experiences of trauma and violence. My heart breaks when I read in the news that suicide rates are increasing and are often highest among youth and members of the LGBTQ community. I wonder how we can ask anyone experiencing that kind of despair and sorrow to open up and share risking themselves emotionally. I wonder that because I know how impossible that can feel. I've mentioned before that for most of my life I've struggled with depression and anxiety. It started when I was nine, around the same age as our kids today. I felt so broken, even though I was so young and I didn't know how to even put to words the feelings I had. But those feelings of sorrow and despair, of depression and anxiety that I have names for now felt shameful to me. I felt insecure already at such a young age about my body, about my personality, about my whole self. I was afraid because I saw myself and I hid. I buried myself among the trees in the garden, hiding from God, hiding from relationships, hiding from myself like so many people, young and old, who struggle with mental illness, I hid. I hid and it nearly killed me. I am so glad that I am here with you today. I am so glad that I stayed. And I am so sad to know that there are so many who couldn't, who didn't. There are people every day who are buried among the trees in the garden by addiction, by mental illness, like depression, by the terror of violence and prejudice and trauma. This week we lost two well-known individuals, and this kind of pain can be contagious. If this is you today, I hope you can hear me in the trees. If this is you today, I hope you can hear that there is hope. Please stay. Please, if you can, tell someone. You can come to me if you need to, or to someone who makes the world feel hopeful to you again. There is information about NAMI and their resources on our community board, in our hallway. There is hope. I know there is. You are loved. 
You are needed. Please stay. And if we are thanking God, because today we know that we're staying, today we know that we are needed and loved, then please reach out. Reaching out to the loved one who hasn't been coming to family events. Reach out to the person who used to sit across from you at church who you haven't seen in a while. Reach out to the person who seems to have it all together, but maybe just needs to get a phone call. Because reaching out for someone struggling with depression and trauma and despair is often impossible. Like the woman and the man in the garden, sometimes what's needed is for someone to call out, where are you? To know that someone is looking, that someone is there, the places where we hide ourselves. And it's not just mental illness or addiction or trauma, but the very real ways our insecurities and our shame and our fears push us away from each other and lead us into hiding from ourselves and hiding from God. Maybe for you, it's the feeling of insecurity when you see yourself in the mirror. Maybe your bareness is too much to bear and you don't feel very special today. You feel unable to love yourself and couldn't imagine how anyone else could. The reality is our bodies are often sources of frustration and pain and heartache. Our culture, our media, everything around us is constantly working towards making us feel insecure about ourselves and especially our bodies. About abilities and disabilities, about appearance, age, gender, race, ethnicity, our culture tells us so many negative things about ourselves and about others. And maybe that insecurity is real for you today. Maybe for you it's easier to hide in the trees than to experience something like that pain, that insecurity, and that shame. I'm going to quote Brene Brown again because I love her and I think she's a genius. She says that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us feel unworthy of connection. And that is when healthy guilt or regret becomes unhealthy shame. And maybe that pain is real for you today. Or maybe your experience is not unworthiness or pain, but just fear. Fear of what might come next. Fear of consequences. Fear of what it really means to be in relationship with God and with God's creation. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the risks in fostering relationships with people you know, and especially with people you don't know. Maybe it's all just too much, and you'd rather stay in those trees in the garden covered with fig leaves. We let our insecurities, our shame, and our fears lead us to hide, to push away, and those feelings foster in us brokenness. They can foster sorrow, and they can even foster hate towards ourselves or others. I was afraid. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. But it was the people who were afraid, who were ashamed, who hid themselves from God. God didn't want them to hide. God was calling to them, where are you? What have you done? We read that so often as an angry, what have you done? But what if God is calling out in grief, knowing that the man and the woman have changed this relationship, and God calls out to them, where are you? What, what have you done? 
God calls out reaching out to humanity. God who created human beings in God's image calls out this God who walked in the garden with a man and the woman who was in full relationship with them, who loved them in all their nakedness and vulnerability. This God who loves our imperfections, all of us, the entire world, this God sends his own son, Jesus, into this broken world to save us from our sorrow and despair, to bring us hope. We wait for the Lord to help us, and the Lord sends us Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross for the forgiveness of all sin, even that sin of insecurity and shame in the garden. Jesus dies to save us from insecurities that hide us away from God. Jesus rises from the dead to save us from our shame so that we can go out reaching out to others in real relationship, reaching out to someone who might be hidden in depression or addiction or trauma, to someone who is being wrongfully shamed for who they are. This is the big lesson for me. This is the big moment in Genesis 3. God is always looking for us. God is always looking for us. God is always reaching out to us. No matter who we are or what we have done, God's love never runs out. And Jesus reaches out to us so that we can see ourselves in all our nakedness and know that there is hope. We can see ourselves and see ourselves through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of our Creator who loves us, so that we can see all of our vulnerability and we can know that we are forgiven so that you can hear the Lord calling you and know that you are loved so that you can see yourself and know that your God created you and loves you. And just as we call out to God, God will never stop calling out, reaching out to you. Amen. Amen.